Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real talk with real people, sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe, on the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this the seventh episode of The Edge of Every Day here on talkradio.nyc. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc, or of course you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com, or you can tune in to any of my previous episodes. In a nutshell, it's a show about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries, and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we are resistant to change, those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and in our understandings, both internally and collectively in the world around us. We live in edgy, challenging times, but life isn't black or white. It's an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it's time to introduce our guests this evening. Dan LaPrey is passionate about music and has used that passion to nurture his creative spirit. He began writing songs when he was 18, and when he realized the power that music wields to seal in the emotional impact of a film experience, a career was born. Dan has produced and worked on projects for multiple billion-dollar corporations, including Microsoft, Office Max, HP, and Google. He also directed a nationally televised documentary for Donate Life America with multi-platinum recording artists Alex Band and Eve Six. In 2011, Dan founded Number 7 Entertainment, and in 2015, he produced Just Let Go, starring Emmy Award nominee Henry Ian Cusick and Academy Award nominee Brenda Vaccaro. He also produced the soundtrack album for the film, featuring various, various artists, including Elaine Bradley from Neon Trees and Ryan Innes from NBC's hit TV show, The Voice. Dan is currently working on several projects, including Absolution, a psychological thriller with a wonderful message regarding mental health awareness. Chris Williams was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. After serving a mission to Paraguay for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and graduating from the University of Utah, he went to work as an IT architect and systems engineer. When his wife and two children were killed in a drunk driving accident in February 2007, Chris made the most important decision of his life, one that could, on that cold night, a devoted father of four and a 17-year-old drunk driver both received life sentences. But as Chris Williams sat in his demolished vehicle, staring at the car that had just caused the death of his wife, his unborn baby, his nine-year-old daughter, and his 11-year-old son, he committed to do something extraordinary. He would forgive. He is the best-selling author of Let It Go, a true story of tragedy and forgiveness that chronicles his journey toward healing that affected his family and friends, 
the young man who caused the accident, and an entire community. In 2015, his, in story, his story inspired the making of the feature movie, Just Let Go. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome. Nice Good evening. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. So I, I like to start these out by speak quickly speaking about how I've met my guests. Um, so I'm going to dive in with Dan. So I met Dan through a mutual friend and colleague who introduced us and said that she thought she had an intuition we would be good collaborators. So we greeted one another via email, set up a Zoom with your production partner, Jeff Arcio, and me and my husband. And we talked about your project, Absolution, uh, and the film that you had written about um, mental health, particularly PTSD, and potentially our involvement as executive directors. And we'll talk about Absolution later in our, our evening tonight. But you also shared about the creation of Just Let Go and, and the incredible story of Chris Williams and how it was to work with him. And I was completely and utterly intrigued by that. And at the end of our Zoom meeting, I went downstairs and, and streamed it on Amazon. I was curious, obviously, about your filmmaking. But I was so deeply curious and intrigued about Chris's story and his his healing journey to forgiveness. And I was blown away by the film. The filmmaking was magnificent. And uh, the story, a haunting story, just leveled by the edge of grief, Chris. And the next night I asked my husband to watch it again with me. And of course, the same thing happened for him. And I reached out to Dan about being on this podcast and he was kind enough to reach out to you to join us this evening. So again, I thank you both for joining me. And tonight I'm meeting Chris for the first time. So thanks again. Absolutely. So let's dive in um, to this extraordinary experience talking about the edge of grief. I don't know any larger edge that we humans face. The most profound and powerful and the most misunderstood teachings uh, spiritual teachings of any tradition around the world is all about forgiveness. So Chris, set the stage. What happened to you that cold night in February of 2007, please? Sure. So at the time I had my wife and three of my four children in a car. Um, we had just gone out to eat with friends. Uh, my eldest son was at a basketball game at the local high school, so he wasn't with us. But uh, the rest of us, after eating, had decided to go get a treat um, just an ice cream cone. And so we were proceeding on a very well-traveled road that that night, the basketball game had just got out. So there were a lot of cars on the road that night. And, and this particular part of the road is one that, uh, goes, it's goes underneath a, uh, a freeway. And so as you start to kind of descend below the freeway, um, your, uh, your view is obstructed by the freeway itself. Uh, and then you get to a point where you can see the oncoming traffic. And at that point I saw a pair of headlights just coming at our car at, at freeway speeds. Um, in fact, afterwards, they, the, the police had investigated, indicated that it absolutely was about uh, 75 in a 35 mile an hour zone. Um, there was nothing I could do to get out of the way because we were in an underpass with pillars on both the left and right side of our car and, and a lot of traffic on the road. Um, there wasn't much I could do to um, avoid being hit. And, and we were T-boned or broadsided on the passenger side of the car as the oncoming car had actually swerved into our lane and the, you know, uh, crossed the lane and, and it was coming directly at us. And at the last minute tried to correct to, to go back into the proper lane. And at that point it was just too late. And so he struck our car um, at that horrific speed. Uh, the impact was just immediately devastating. Um, I, I was awake and aware soon after the Im, uh, impact. I mean, the, the, the imploded front windscreen was still falling like glass to the ground. My foot was still jammed on the accelerator, but we weren't moving anywhere because the impact was so severe that the, the drivetrain, the, the, the big steel uh, connecting uh, element that uh, to the front wheels had been completely sheared off because of the impact. And so the engine was revving, but there was no forward motion at all. Um, 
it was a, just an absolute moment of shock, but also of immediate grief as I then, in a panic, started to try and desperately feel for a pulse on my wife. Uh, I could barely move my head because uh, of the injuries I had sustained, but I was at least able to get my hand off of the uh, the stick shift and onto her hand as she was sitting next to me. And as I just desperately tried to grasp to feel for that pulse point, I couldn't feel uh, anything at all. Uh, and I'd had previous medical training, so I knew I knew where to, to to look for that. But once again, not being able to feel a pulse in that situation, it was terrifying. Um, uh, and then, of course, I was able to finally get my head turned enough to see that she had sustained a significant injury to her elbow that was not bleeding. And that was a, a very, very bad sign. Um, so, so in this moment of panic, as I'm trying to ascertain if, if she had made it or if my children had made it in the back seat, it was a, a, just an, an immediate onset of, of panic, of shock, of grief, of sadness, of disbelief. Um, it was, I think surreal is an appropriate word to use there, but also mm-hmm. soul crushing soul crushing. It was just absolutely uh, more than I could bear in that moment, uh, especially as I was finally able to look back in the backseat and see that my son had sustained an injury that was not bleeding, uh, injury to the head, no less, that was not bleeding. And that was a, a very bad sign. And then my daughter, I couldn't see any injury on her, but uh, her hair was just covering her face as she was leaning slightly forward, but no movement whatsoever. And later on, of course, I, I, I did learn that they had died instantly that uh, there was no amount of CPR, no amount of emergency medical help or assistance that would have uh, allowed them to survive. Um, I did have a six-year-old son seated directly behind me, and he did survive the uh, accident. Um, But I couldn't see or hear anything from him during that that time in the car. And so, uh, you know, the the worst case for me in in that was that all were dead. Um, And it was just, as I mentioned, it was just, absolutely more than I could bear. Um, and so that's what took us to this moment of, of just intense grief, intense pain, and, and being presented with an, an unbelievably, un, an unimaginably terribly, uh, terrible ex- experience. Oh, indeed. And while you were in that car, you were screaming out. And it, what I've listened to in some of your interviews and in the film, you there was something that you heard in that car. Absolutely. So, I, you know, because of the grief, I mean, I, I, I wanted to die as well. I just did not want to, you know, face life with, with this new reality. And th- there was a point where I did hear this, this, this soul-wrenching cry of grief. And it was, as I was trying to grieve, it was almost annoying that there was this other sound there. And I, I was trying to get it to stop. And, and it, uh, you know, I finally realized that I was the one making that sound. It was just coming from so deep within me, this sound of pain and, and anguish. Um, that uh, when I put that together, I just, it was almost more than I could bear. Um, but in the midst of that, I, I did look out through my window that had not been hit. We were hit on the passenger side, so the driver's side was was okay. But I looked in the up the road, I could see the car that had struck us. It was on its roof, had been overturned, and it was about you know, 50 to 80 feet up the road. And as I looked at that road in the midst of this grief, uh, the, the, it, it occurred to me that that this was going to be impacting them as much as, you know, maybe as much as, but at least impacting them uh, as it was me and my, and my family. Mm. And as I started to kind of contemplate that thought, I heard as if it was spoken over my shoulder, the words, let it go. Um, and hearing that it just, it kind of stopped me in the middle of, of this intense grief and gave me a moment where, I realized I had a decision to make. I had a decision that, you know, was I going to try and move forward from this horrific experience by myself or could I let it go and trust that there was a better way um, to do this, to move forward? Mm. Uh, and, and as a believer, as a, as a Christian, um, it was really, as I look back on that moment, it was really as if I was being asked, did I, did I have faith in Jesus Christ? As a Christian, that's, that's who I was focusing and my hope on and my, my life on. And in that moment, it was as, as if I was being asked, okay, you know, was that all real? You know, all of those years prior of, of being a Christian, you know, was it real? Could, it, could I in that moment, 
you know, stay true to the belief I had espoused throughout my entire life. And that, that's what I decided to do was to let it go and trust that there was a higher and nobler and more, um, uh, I don't know if merciful was quite of the, the word I was thinking of at that moment, probably not, but at least there was a, a better way to move forward than to try and do this myself. And by that meaning, trying to, to, to get from justice, trying to get um, vengeance, trying to, you know, make sure that whoever did this pays, you know, to, to the extent that I was suffering. Uh, that's yes. what I wanted to let go of. And that's a good point for us to stop and take a break. When we come back, we will speak with Chris about how that transformed in his family and how Dan came onto the project. When we're back, thank you. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. on the edge of every day with Chris Williams and Dan LaPrey. So forgive me, you know, this, this, it feels like such a jarring jolt to move ahead um, after the sharing of all of that, but we only have an hour and when I want 10 hours to talk all about this with you. Um, so you heard this voice and you understood that you needed to set down the bitterness, set down the anger, out of the gate, would you have called it, I need to forgive in that moment, that mystical experience of connecting to forgiveness? Could you have called it that, articulated that in the moment? Probably not in the moment, but I think it was, um, it was my survival. That was, I knew that if I was to, to keep going, which, you know, I, I actually at one point put my head against the, the headrest and tried to will my spirit out of its body. I mean, it's just the, the crazy thoughts that go through right at that moment of pain. Imagine. But, 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 but that was basically it is that I, I knew in my weakness, my, my inability to prevent what had just happened, my inability to control the emotions I was feeling. I knew that if I didn't do something that this could destroy me. And it could destroy my my two boys. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking immediately of them, but I just knew that that there was a path forward, and that I was still here. I I didn't perish, and that if I was to survive on that path uh, and have any expectation of of happiness, of, of of moving forward from this you know horrific experience, that I I had to let it go. I, I couldn't carry the burden of anger or resentment uh, at the same time as trying to heal. 
So, and I think in, for a lot of people that is you know, viewed in that light, forgiveness is a lot more accessible. If it's about, you know, letting something go so that you can have that expectation or hope of happiness moving forward. Uh, it, it, at least for me, it clarified what I needed to do and what I needed to let go of. And by letting go, it was whoever had hit us, whatever the circumstances behind that, I wasn't going to focus my energy on trying to right that. Yes. You know, if it was a man that had had a heart attack that they, you know, he couldn't control his vehicle, I wasn't going to, you know, get mad at him or whatever. Or if it was, as it turned out, a teenager drinking and driving, I wasn't going to focus my uh, my path forward on trying to, you know, hurt this person or to make sure that they paid. In a sense, I, I, I was just going to focus on the things that I could control, which is me and dealing with my emotions of, of grief, etc., and then and, and healing my boys. And yes, exactly. And being with your boys and your family and your community, ultimately. Yep. So so I, we'll get to your boys. I have some questions around that, but in the context of the movie. Um, so so fast forward, uh, you, you decide to write the book. Mm-hmm. And then how did the the book move into becoming a movie project. Dan, how did, or, or, or Chris dive in, how did this become, how did this come together as a project for future film? Sure. Well, Dan, go ahead. You can. Yeah. Can well, that one. Uh, there's another Chris that comes into the story. Uh, his name is Christopher Clark. And he had a grandmother that actually lived in the same area as Chris Williams did. And uh, Chris and myself are filmmakers. Christopher, I'll call him, I guess, because <laughs> too many Chris's. Chris yeah. one and Chris two. So Christopher is a filmmaker, and his grandmother's like, "Hey, I know you make these inspirational messages or whatever." And there's this man that I know. This happened to him. You may want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And so Chris and Christopher were introduced, and from then there was a short film. Um, made uh, called Forgiveness My Burden is Made Light and and that was oh. kind of put out kind of on, on YouTube and it did quite well you know it got million plus views or whatever and so from then I was like well you know Christopher and his lifelong friend uh, named Patrick it's Christopher and Patrick they don't separate from each other it's just Chris and Pat so <laughs> they've been the movie since they were little kids together uh, and they partnered on this little short film. And so they thought, well, could, could this be a feature? Could this be something that could really affect people? Could we, there seems to be a little audience for this. Can, can we make this into something bigger? Uh, but they hadn't really done anything bigger yet. Hadn't really worked with much of a larger crew and a first AD and that stuff. And so they reached out to me saying, look, we can't do and when we'd been friends for a long time, we started uh, a business earlier in our lives, a little production company that didn't go very far. But they, they reached out to me and said, we can't produce and direct this. So will you come on and produce this movie for us and, and give us the tools that we need to make this project into something bigger? And so that's kind of how it came to my Cool. And you, of course, could could not have not been completely and utterly attracted to the, the content of all of this. Now, had you hadn't met Chris Williams yet. At this point, I had not met Chris. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't okay. know that he was going to be involved and, and uh, that it would be something that we had to do together. And we didn't have the funding for it at that point. It was like, well... Uh, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this happen? And, and we committed to each other at that time that this story was important enough that we would do whatever we needed to do to make it. You would find that way. So, and you, and we're going to talk about this too a little later too. I'm calling it a template, this template that you came up with involving uh, 501c3s and charities and a variety of ways of getting financing and getting the story out there. But if, right at the moment, I'd like to uh, continue focusing on on Chris's story within the context of the movie. So, one of the favorite parts of the film for me was the um, the recurring theme of the box, and you know, it. The, the, I would use the, the and getting outside of the box and and thinking outside the box and in my lingo and for the sake of the show i would say the box is boundaries and getting out of the box would be pushing the boundaries and these these 
the, the jail, of course, is a box, and and um, but these mental boxes that we construct around revenge and anger and holding on to our bitterness, as you mentioned, Chris, but 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 forgiveness isn't a mental logical process; it's a mystical process, and that's and that's you know, and that's what you spoke about, Chris. Yeah, so you're, you're right. I mean, it, so for me, that box was very, very powerful because it mm -hmm. allowed me to kind of compartmentalize what I was going to focus my energy on yes. and what I was going to um, to let go of. And it's important, I thought, for me to do that because I wanted to acknowledge that I was angry. I wanted to acknowledge that that the feelings I was uh, I was experiencing were real. Real. Because yes. you know, a, a lot of people would say, well, don't, you know, just let it go and, and be happy. And say, no, I, <laughs> I want to go through the grief. I want to, because these people meant something to me. So the, I want to cry. I want to feel that pain. But I want to do it in a way that's safe for me to move forward through it. So there's a lot of things that are not safe. So it's kind of like the Pandora thing. There's some things that are in a box for a reason. Don't yes. open it or else you can unleash all sorts of, of you know, unwanted results. And so for me, that was that mental, you know, opportunity to acknowledge the anger and, and acknowledge this person now that had done this to, to our family and made these choices. But to put it, that person in a box like they were, like you said, in jail is a box. I and mean, we do this in society. We take people and we, we take them out of society. We put them where they won't hurt uh, anymore. So I did this mentally. I put them in a box. I shut it, locked it, mm. um, and then I moved forward. So, and, and for me, it was about not going back and, and opening that box up. So the theme came from you. This was something that was a part. It was in your book, and something that 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 Dan you latched onto and wove throughout the the script, with the whole Houdini. I mean, even the the Chinese the Chinese food, the little boxes with thank you. I was like, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we actually didn't even have that Houdini quote uh, as the script was being written. We kind of figured out that after the fact. Uh, the key word that his mother had, and it's like, okay, that's, that's creepy, perfect. Yeah, so <laughs> things just kind of worked out. And really, it's the script that that. Uh, well, I mean, the script is about the story, but the script is what really attracted the talent to this. We knew that we couldn't yes. just have local actors portray this. We couldn't have part-time actors that were really pizza drivers, pizza delivery drivers, pull off a role like this. So we searched. Yeah, you had the real deal. We had to find somebody that was real that was a real actor that, that did this every day. And yes. so that was quite a search for us. And I think we found the right people. Oh, yes, you did. I am just now getting two minutes to break. This is flying by. I have a million more questions. So when we come back, we will talk about Chris and how you dealt with your boys and what's happening with a young man. Um, the 17 year old and what's happening with him today when we come back on the edge of every day. Stay tuned. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. 
at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Chris Williams and Dan LaPrey. And I'm going to jump in with a, another portion of the film that I thought was quite something in terms of understanding forgiveness for our listeners to deeply dive into the forgiveness that you exhibited. You know, your, your young son, you have two sons that are, and you're struggling with them. Your younger son has head trauma and some physical issues and your older son is angry and disgusted and infuriated with you and your mother wants legal justice and retribution wants you to choose those those things and 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 you and I think about how forgiveness lives in our society and lack thereof in our society how sometimes compassion and forgiveness can be perceived as signs of weaknesses or with competing sides and that 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 it's like a sign of disloyalty and that your family wanted you to not choose forgiveness they wanted you to fight and be angry and to hold on to that and i thought that was a very nuanced way of showing that in the film dan and uh, it was quite something and so how did you chris navigate that with your family and ultimately with your community. No, and, and you're right. It's forgiveness is, is a journey, but it's boy, it's so individualized. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first thing I had to just recognize is that they didn't have that let it go moment. Um, I had, mm-hmm. and so they were coming to this um, experience in in a much different way. I mean, the, the grief that they were feeling, the anger they were feeling. Uh, they hadn't yet had that uh, moment of, of kind of, I won't say reconciliation, but the, the, the moment to choose how they were going to process that and move forward. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was still just raw emotion and and then reacting to that raw emotion. Yeah. So I think the first thing I did is I gave them space to to grieve and to develop and to grow in their own journey of forgiveness. And that was, I think, the, the, uh, it saved me because I think had I tried to force them to let it go as well, or had I tried to force them through some path of, you know, the, the, the stages of grief or the stages of, of whatever, uh, that I think it would have been a huge failure. And I think it would have really um, st- stolen from them an opportunity to grow themselves. So I think I just, I focused on unconditional love and patience, giving them time and space and an example, meaning my example, um, to, to allow them to work this out and, and to move forward from that. It took time, but you know, I'm happy to report that all three of them um, absolutely came to the same point of not only forgiveness, but but the uh, same point of healing in a positive and constructive way to move forward in their lives. So they've all done remarkably well with that. It took time. So I'm so grateful for patience. <laughs> uh, and, and it was certainly trying at times, uh, especially with my boys. But, um, you know, just staying there with unconditional love and then giving them that space and time to, to grow uh, was the absolute best answer. Oh, heartfelt congratulations on that. Oh, my goodness. So the young man who hit you, the 17-year-old, um, um, Curtis uh, Cameron, Curtis uh, White, what is he? Um, talk to me about him. Um, you got a phone call from his counselor while he was in juvenile detention uh, about two years after. Correct. And, and so and you went in and met him. And how did that go? And then I want to talk to Dan about shooting that scene. Sure. Yeah. So it was very interesting that he had prepared. They were trying to help him with empathy. And so they had asked him to prepare some questions so that he could come to understand um, and know my wife and my children and and the impact that his decision that night had had made on our family. Mm. Um, and of course, I answered those questions as uh, openly and honestly as I could. And uh, at the end, they 
uh, they asked him, you know, is there anything else you want to ask Mr. Williams? And he just folded up his paper and he just got you know, close to me and just said, you know, is there, after everything I did to your family, how can you forgive me? And I think that was the one question he desperately wanted to answer above all the others. Um, and so I, I told him that it was, you know, based on my faith and that it's, I believe it was, it was a higher power. It was through Jesus Christ that I was able to, you know, get that grace, so to speak, that enabling power to, to do this. Um, but it, that experience opened up an opportunity to, to, to see him, uh, not as the 17 year old that made that horrific uh, decision that night, but to see him as a new person, uh, the opportunity in a, um, to become a new person. So as I think back to that box metaphor, it's almost like I could put that 17 year old person that, uh, that selfish young man that was making horrible decisions. I could kind of put him in the box, close it. And that this new interaction with this new person I was, it was talking to could be just that a new opportunity to meet this person uh, as he really is, as he could, as he could become. Um, in 2012, he was married. It was my honor to go to his wedding. And, and it was really kind of a culmination of that experience of, of seeing him as a new person and, and starting to disassociate who he was becoming with the person he was 17 years ago. Uh, and I think that that's a gift that, that boy is so needed in, in society. You know, the, the gift of allowing people to, uh, to, to reinvent themselves, to become oh. something new, to let go of, of whatever, yeah, to evolve and to love them for who they're becoming and not constantly bring the past and judge them by their past actions. Um, and so uh, Cameron has since, um, as I said, married in 2012, and that he's he's had two children, and I've uh, we've stayed in touch. And so, as I see the good that has come out of this in his life, it has helped me to see that good has come out of a tragedy and, and tragic experience. Uh, in in a, in a small way, it makes it not as tragic. Um, and so that's I think why I've done the film and and the book and everything else is. The more good that can come out of a horrific experience, then the less horrific it is. Truly. So, um, how how involved with a with a with a movie making were you? And I want to talk to Dan about the filming of the scene at 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 the the prison at the detention facility. And I remember Dan, you sharing with me this moment when they were meeting and were they going to touch? And I'll tell you what. The filmmaking of Chris, it, it was amazing display of what choosing forgiveness was about. You could see all in in uh, Henry Ian's performance, all of Chris's. You have devastated me. I, this forgiveness is a choice for me and for you to move forward about not holding, as you just mentioned, Chris, not holding on to the past. But there was no sugarcoating it. In, in, and this is your opportunity. You leveled me. You, you ruined my life. And it was very straightforward, but so beautifully open and encouraging at the same time. It was extraordinary, extraordinary. So how was it, to, Dan, to film that? Um, and then I'll get to Chris about how it was sure. to be involved. Uh, well, Chris was on set pretty much every day. We loved having him there because we needed to. to of course, you did. His spirit and and to make sure that we were doing it right. Um, but that scene in particular, you know, we set it up, and you haven't seen Cameron, his name Curtis. You haven't seen his face yet in the movie. We did that on purpose. Yes. He he was always obstructed. It was just this character we didn't know what he looked like and we finally see him in this set of chains in this moment right and in the script it just called for them to do their little reconciliation and and so there was no anything else and and when when ian did it and then they separated for me it just didn't feel right i, I was and i don't i still haven't asked chris if this is true like did he actually touch him because when he didn't touch i just went up to the director and i was like something's not right that he's for he's saying he's forgiving him but unless he's willing to touch skin to skin i'm and not watch the struggle to move into that yeah i'm not believing it and they're like hmm, okay let me go talk to ian and see what he thinks you know mm -hmm. so the director went and talked to ian and was like oh, whatever and the next thing you know reaches out his hand and touches him and for me it just all of a sudden all the senses just came together and it's that that moment where when you're willing to actually embrace someone or touch someone or shake their hand, 
now you're not just saying you forgive them. You're actually proving that you did it. So I don't know if Chris really did. Well, that's a good question right now. Did you, did you give him a hug? Did you touch him? Did you just walk away in that moment? I don't know. <laughs> no. So there was a hug actually. Um, it was tense. You know, when I first came into the room to meet him, um, he, he had been there for some time already. And so he'd been lifting weights. He is, he was definitely bulked out and, and he was, he, he had a very defensive posture. I think he was expecting me to just come at him and start to just try and, and land a fist or something. Um, and I wouldn't blame him for that caution. Right. I mean, you see this in courtrooms, you know, not everyone gets really angry, and, but no, I, I came in with, uh, I think such a demeanor that, um, of really being there to try and help him, that it was really offsetting. And I think that's why he was able to ask that final question. And I think that's why he was open to uh, to the, the hug. It wasn't a close hug, though. I think the handshake absolutely um, kind of captured the, the essence of, of what had happened between us. It didn't need to be a hug. That was that was a just, uh, just But to your point, though, that I think that uh, to the film, it absolutely makes that scene um, when there's that contact. Yeah. Closure. So I watched the the, the uh, show again, la- the film again last night in preparation for this, and I had already uh, seen last night uh, before, right before I, uh, when I knew you could come on, I had watched some interviews with you, so I knew what you looked like, and uh, when that we were in the last scene, and you. Uh, your character in speaking as you in church to the congregation and the camera pans out to the congregants and there you are sitting in the front and I was like oh my that's so fabulous and it struck me what was it like in that moment to and I'm sure the entire time you were filming well maybe not the entire time but it, it moments throughout how was it to watch watch your life story being told like this and being played out by someone else that you were watching? And how did that, what insights potentially did you have or some, some unexpected emotional evolutions in that whole process? Before he, before he answers, I want to <laughs> So that's not the moment that's important. We recreated this accident to a T. Oh, it, totally. it was wild. And, and the people of Mill Creek on that night that we had blocked off the road, the cars were there upside down again, and the community was freaking out. They're like, it happened again? They couldn't <laughs> believe it. They were so like, they, we can't believe this is happening again. They were so freaked out. Oh, I'm sure. After filming that scene, I look over and there's Chris. I'm like, what are you doing here? I'm like, so he saw that. Wow. That. And he's like, my mom made me come. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, very quickly. So, and you mentioned I was on set quite a bit. I, I now selfishly a little bit. Uh, I use this as an opportunity for my boys to heal. <sighs> I thought it was important for them to kind of to go through what I had done because they were still struggling significantly when this was all being done. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't know that I wanted to be there as much as I was. I kind of felt like I was a little more you know, where I probably shouldn't be to let, I just wanted to let them kind of go and do this thing and make this the, the movie. But when I saw this as an opportunity to just have my boys kind of experience what I had to help them on their road of forgiveness, it was a bit of a selfish, uh, kind of a, a, a hanger honor <laughs> on the sets. And so I, I kind of felt like I was a little bit like I shouldn't be there, but at the same time, I felt that was very, very helpful for my boys to, to relieve that. So, so in that congregation scene, they were there as well, both of my boys. And for them to hear that, I think, was exceptionally helpful. Oh, spectacular. And we're going to take a break on that. And when we come back, we're going to hear about this template that I've mentioned and some of the things that Dan brought in as producer to make this thing happen. And we're also going to talk about absolution when we come back. Thank you. Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Chipping around, kick my brain to the ground. These are the days it never And we are back with Dan LaPrey and Chris Williams. Uh, Dan, I'd like to dive in with you and talk about, because um, this is helpful in terms of speaking about absolution, what were some of the elements that you brought in and organizations that you brought in to make this happen, to produce this film and to to create a, a type of template that really supported the making of the film, the getting it out into the world educationally, et cetera. Tell us about that. So with, with our distributor, we ended up trying to do something a little differently. And instead of releasing this just locally um, or trying to go big with a big, huge, wide release, we ended up partnering with Fathom Events. Um, and the reason we did that is because we kind of got connected to Delilah from Delilah, you know, the radio queen. <laughs> and uh, she had an audience and she decided to promote the film and really loved the film. And so we kind of brought her on as a uh, host, so to speak. And then I reached out to uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu's Forgiveness Challenge charity and asked if it might be something that they'd be interested in. And so they responded immediately, and Archbishop Tutu had uh, a recurrence of cancer at that time, so he wasn't really able to be involved, but his daughter, Empa, uh, did a video for us as part of that night, and they created a special forgiveness challenge for us that they left with the people that came to the premiere. So this was a one-night-only premiere event that that went uh, across the nation in over 400 theaters. And so we also brought in Fred Luskin, who is a physiological expert on forgiveness from Stanford University to talk about what it means in a non-religious sense to mm-hmm. either forgive or to bottle up in a box and hold on to something inside of you. Um, and a couple others on the panel just to kind of really talk about forgiveness and, and what it meant, because we knew that it wasn't even a uh, forgiveness is not something that even Christians have a corner on the marketplace. Oh, on. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, it's spoken about in all religions yes it's important in in a lot of people secularly too correct yeah just maybe not as much secular but we wanted to bring in that perspective because of those that may be not religious that might still be struggling with something we felt like if people could watch this movie and realize what what a, a unique individual chris williams was and what he was able to do and what he was able to let go maybe that night 30 years ago when two brothers got in an argument and haven't talked since because somebody called them a name or whatever would realize that, Whoa, maybe I should, maybe I should take a look at myself and figure out if I can reconnect with, with my brother or my parents or, or whoever it might be that they haven't talked to in a long time. And so Indeed. I wanted to reach those kinds of people and see if, if this film could, impact them in a way that might help them to reconnect again with somebody and and to maybe finally let something go that they hadn't been able to do in the past. So how do, do what happened after that premiere? Did the film have a, a, another a, a, any more showings in theaters or was it that just that? Well, just it was glorious 400 theaters. Fantastic. Did it have another life? 
well, in theaters or did it go directly online? It uh, we did release it. We were planning on doing a, a smaller release after, um, but because this was something new that we hadn't tried before, we weren't quite aware of of what it took to do that. Got it. So a lot of marketing had been done to actually point towards that night. You know, you can watch it on this night only, this night only. And so then when we released, we, we sh- what we should have done is waited a little bit more time. But we tried to then release it in our area specifically quite soon after that. But people were, were confused. Like, wait, I thought this was one night only but thing. like it had happened already. Well, yeah. it's good learning for how, how you're going to structure potentially absolution. And this is a great seg to move into talking about that. Tell us about absolution the 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 film itself and what you're hoping to what you're hoping to pull together and we're actually supposed created. to do absolution like right after just let go and for whatever reason it didn't happen we weren't able to raise the funding for both projects so we went and did just let go and then absolution has sat on my desk for years and then um it really wasn't about mental health when we wrote it. It was about a mysterious guy and this kind of psychological thriller. But then uh, from this pandemic and everything that's been happening with people's mental health and being, you know, cooped up and not able to work or working when other people can't work next to you, it, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, this film <laughs> has got new life. This might really be able to help people um, come to terms with mental illness. And I think it's just getting more rampant in our- Oh my. People are more willing to talk about it and talk about the spectrum of issues. But we're still not. We think we are, but I don't know that we're really there yet. So I've done a, a, a series of documentaries on mental illness and talked to people with schizophrenia and all kinds of problems. And, and uh, yeah, it has opened up more, but I still mm-hmm. think that a lot of people have closed windows and closed doors to their soul that won't admit that they are struggling. <laughs> like forgiveness. I don't want to, I want to live in the past. I don't want to get real with what, what I'm feeling and all of my fears. I, you know, that's what it is. Just getting real with those fears. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so you feel, of course, that this film absolution will shine a greater light on on that issue that health issue in general the and plan so, is to, to get some um charities involved and so we're still looking for the right partner the right mental health uh, or mental illness awareness institution to that we could help benefit because the goal for the film just like with you know just let just let go was to like help people forgive and to help people find the ability to do that we created that with the forgiveness challenge so with Absolution, we, we're hoping that we can find the right mental health institution to partner with. That's a 501c3 that we can actually use the film as education and to help people realize that there are people in our lives that we know that we should be checking in with. Indeed. Uh, and they might be living in some dark corner and we need to be able to recognize that and maybe help them to come out of that and maybe realize that we can be instruments to help people to, to not commit suicide and to... I'm seeing the word NAMI, N-A-M-I. So is that something, is that an an, an acronym that you know? That's the National Alliance of Mental Illness, I think is what it's called. It's a very- Okay, that makes sense. A very large charity. Uh, We we still need to reach out to them. Um, So yeah, we're trying to figure out. And I've got, I've been just newly connected with some that you and I can talk about, but we can put this out there in the world right now for people who are listening in. If you know of charities, 501c3s that deal with, with health issues, you know, reach out to me, send them to me at talkradio.nyc. And I will make sure that Dan receives any of that information so he can pursue it. Main character is also a veteran, so I actually am meeting with a, a, a group called Warrior Rising actually coming mm-hmm. this week because veterans, 22 veterans are killing themselves every day. It is oh, yes, indeed. So let's let's hear about the story just quickly, um, a recap of, of the story of Absolution, if you, you know what you can share. Yeah, so Alex is a recluse. He works at night. He doesn't get to associate with anybody, and he... Just goes to work when everybody else is sleeping and when everyone else is awake, he goes to sleep and he starts feeling like he's losing touch with reality. 
And then dead people start showing up in his apartment. And he, of course, has nothing to do with it. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's being framed. He's then having these hallucinations. And he's talking with a psychiatrist the whole time. And so mm-hmm. our journey is watching him interact with the psychiatrist and then seeing his life play out in front of us and trying to determine what's real and what's not real. And, and his struggle with he yeah. just wants to take his own life. But now he's like, I don't, I want to interact with society but someone's trying to he just frame me for these things that i'm not always like i don't i want it i don't know what that was but did we get taken to break no 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 Uh -uh. okay no i think that there was some background noise coming from somewhere um but anyway anyway yeah it's and uh, the trailer you'll be able to see the trailer those of you listening in we're going to post the trailer for the movie in in the recap of tonight's show they, they can go to talkradio.nyc and see the trailer. They, also, a link to your um, website, All About Absolution, will be at in the recap as well. And this will be a good time to bring our, our show to a close. In addition to those links, you'll be able to um, go to order Let It Go, the book that Chris has painstakingly and gloriously put out into the world that has inspired this project um, filled with wisdom and insight. Thank you so much, Chris. You can get that at hopefully your local bookstore. You can order it, but you can also go online and order it there too, if that's easier. Um, Gentlemen, is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we say good night? Hopefully we post a link to the film also. I dare you to watch it. It, it's it, it, oh absolutely that will also be a part of it i dare you to watch it it's on amazon prime it's streaming right now thank you so much for the opportunity it's been a joy oh thank you well thank you both thank you dan thank you chris it has been an honor and a pleasure to have you on talking about this just so grateful for you being here tonight and for those of you listening in you can check out talkradio.nyc slash the edge of every day and get the update on the show and we will see you next week monday night at 7 p.m eastern standard time thanks again for tuning in until then take good care remember we are always on the edge of the miraculous this is our last or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. 
improvement world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 